Welcome back to the Cock and Ball podcast, and we're going to all big spurs in the time it takes to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Ben, and I'm contractually obliged to be here. Joining me tonight is a man who once bunked off work for a week and no one noticed. It's Ash. Don't tell my fucking boss. <laughs> <laughs> Snaked him. Early doors. It's fine. It's fine. It's the summer holidays. Anyway, joining him is a man who's always turned up late to things, but says it's fine because he was always planning to do that. It's Jules. Evening, Giza. How are we? I'm very well, thank you. And finally, we have a man who's here to proofread our poorly written apology for this podcast. It's Jim. Cal Sparrow. You're right. I don't know what that means. Uh, anyway, a new season is upon us. Let's get straight in at the deep end. Obviously, everyone is talking about the imminent arrival of Lionel Messi. Sorry, sorry, the future of Harry Kane. We've had him not turn up to training. Now we've had an apology of sorts. Just before we, we started recording this on Monday night, he's saying that he might be available for the City game. But long and short of it is, Ash, he's been a very naughty boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just... I think the frustrating thing for Tottenham fans is we all, nobody begrudges him wanting to move. We all understand it. Like we've been shit for far too long now, considering he's one of the best strikers in the world. He should be playing for the top teams and in the top competitions. But then to just to not turn up and then send out a message a week later saying, oh no, I'm coming in as planned. Who fucking planned it? That was, that clearly wasn't the plan by anyone's at the club's reckoning. So it's just, just silly, just silly. If you want, if you want to uh, have a gentleman's agreement, just have a release clause. Don't be a mug. That's my message. <laughs> Fen, um, wh- he didn't give an apology. The little rat. Like, 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 <laughs> like, like, let's put it out there straight. There is no "I'm sorry" in that message. All he says is that he won't go into the specifics because clearly, if he did, he'd look like he even more of a cunt. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> so ultimately, this is not a uh, you know. This like, let's not let him off easy here. One, it wasn't apology, and two, it was a pathetic message to send out. Like, I think he's jeopardised a lot of his his relationship with the fans in the last in the last two weeks or so. Well, pers- it's, for me, it's someone pers- thinking definitely. about the brand, isn't it? Somebody's gone to him. You're looking like a per- bit. You're looking a bit of a tit here, mate. You need to say yeah, something. A week too and late, he, and he's made it uh, even worse by putting out a statement that basically says. It's not my fault. Uh, I should have been in training, but I can't say that I should have been in training, so I'm going to pretend that I shouldn't have been in training, and you're all going to believe me. <laughs> and you're like, well, just don't take people for mugs. Like. Simon was really suspect as well, wasn't it? Because it was the day after Greedy's signed for City. <laughs> and Messi, was... Messi becomes available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and went, oh, it might not happen. Uh, yeah, remember me, lads. <laughs> but the, 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 un, the key thing with it as well is just like underlying it all if the person who's coming up with these genius brand strategies is his fucking brother the same brother who seems to I mean he's definitely a double digit IQ like he's saying he's making Harry look like the intelligent brother I mean, yeah, uh, he's, a, he's basically a man sized leech <laughs> With a, with a fucking moped in his fucking office like a right little dicky cum. Like, at the end of the day, it's, it's genuinely astonishing that they've managed to make it this far. Just yeah, for, the, for the record at the start of this pod, I think it was you, Jules, before we started recording, that said, if I come across as salty... <laughs> <laughs> I may have said that, and it was an excellent, excellent disclaimer. That's what I reckon. Yeah, I think that... We should probably say at this point, Charlie might be a wonderful lad, but he's clearly not the best agent, is he? No, I don't think he's a wonderful lad. It's interesting, you contrast the way the way that things have happened with Kane and Spurs and City with Grealish and Villa, yeah. and the way that Perslow, the Villa CEO, came out and gave that video. If anybody hasn't watched it, like spend five minutes watching it, because the guy just says, look... The player said a year ago he'll stay for another year and if a Champions League club comes in, we're going to sell him if they give us money and that's what happened. And he likes the club, he loves the club and he wanted to play Champions League football. Fair enough, going to be upfront about it and we're going to reinvest the money. And there was no bullshit, no kind of making excuses. He was like, this is the way it is. We move on. And like that's the way to do things. Like Kane has this reputation as being like Mr Spurs, Grealish is grown up a Villa fan and obviously loves the club and recognises that for his career he's got to go somewhere else. 
for what it's worth, I think going to City is a bad thing for Grealish. But anyway, he said, look, I, it's not that I don't love the club or anything like that. I just felt like I needed to move on. And nobody really has any hard feelings. Whereas if Kane goes now, it's almost like he needs to go. Because if he stays, uh, I don't know if it would, for me, it would feel, well, I don't care, frankly, but for me yeah. it would feel well, tainted, I think. I, I think another thing is with the the outpour of emotion and anger when the Super League uh, information started coming out. Obviously, the most of that was because, oh, it's not competitive anymore and only the top clubs will have all the money and have all the best players. And <laughs> that's that was that was everyone. The media, any fan from any football club who was over the age of 12 was really angry about that. Yeah. But then no one seems to be pissed off about City just buying all the top talent mm. in the league. I mean, obviously, Chelsea have gone out and spent silly money on Lukaku as well. But... That, it's another thing about... It's how, a problem, it, isn't it? Yeah, and it it's angers me more that it's, it's City. Like, can we... Mm. There has to be... They can't. This can't be legit. I mean, I'm not going to make any allegations <laughs> that might see me in court because... I think you just did. <laughs> <laughs> it's suspicious. That's what I'm going to say. It's suspicious. You, you touch on a good point, and it's like, uh, it's like a lesser version of PSG in League 1, but there is this issue where a club... Spurs didn't, uh, sorry, City didn't need to buy Grealish. They don't need to buy Kane. It's like they're, they're doing it because they can. And it creates this problem where there's no, it, it, when it stops being competitive, there's no point, And that's what makes it boring. Yeah. And I mean, it's a great case for why the Super League would have been a terrible idea, because that would have been even more boring because there'd be no relegation. But um, at least, I guess, the only thing is that other teams can challenge City. I mean, what's weird is like the, the PSG example that I just used. I think twice in four years, PSG haven't won league on. Whereas City, just apart from that one Liverpool season, just seem like they can't be caught and it's quite depressing. <laughs> well, they can be caught by Chelsea. Who are, uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, <laughs> not, not the best example. But yeah, the, the Liverpool one, is a good example, but it was fantastic to see uh, Leicester actually turning them over in the Community Shield, although yeah. Leicester are kind of like a mini city. So yeah, it's not a good example either. But you see what I'm saying? Like they, they can they can be got at, and especially when if everyone hates them, sometimes it is nice to to try and stick one on them because everyone's up against it. Everyone's really up for the City game. Uh, it suits their fixing complex as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pep would love that. Do you remember his tears when Aguero was leaving about how they can't replace him? And <laughs> now they're talking about spunking 130 million on Kane. <laughs> Give me a fucking break, man. How would you feel right. if he stayed? I, I want him gone. Am I, I the only know, one? Yeah. Well, he's he's gone too far, hasn't he? He's, yeah. If he'd taken the Greenish approach of being actually a decent person about this, he talks about his gentleman's agreement. If he acted gentlemanly within the traditional. Uh, definition and then we, he could have gone amicably. He can't do that now. There's always going to be that, that tainted, tarnished look upon his career looking back entirely now. Despite everything he's done and he's been a fantastic player, this does not look good in any possible way. And you can't really recover it because we all know that he wants to go to the, to the best clubs, which is understandable, yeah. which makes it even more frustrating that it was understandable and you just didn't show up for work. You, you can't go around doing that. We can't go around doing that, and neither should he. No, and obviously I'll, he's he's the best player at our club. Maybe Bar Son, maybe he's the only one who comes close, really. So you don't want to see the best players leave, and it's I think it's undeniable that he's irreplaceable when you look at the amount of goals and assists and his whole whole round gameplay. But if he doesn't want to be there, we're never going to make the same amount of money next season as we will this season. So if you're looking at the you know the, the best deal for the club is it would be to sell him. I don't know if I agree about him not being able to to fix it though. I think we saw I think the best example of it being able to turn around is Gerard when he was sort of demanding to go to Chelsea, and then circumstances <laughs> occurred where he ended up remaining at Liverpool. But I can't see us winning the Champions League though. To be fair, so <laughs> maybe I think he's unfortunately yeah, he's just he, he's gone too far in terms of tarnishing that relationship. And the worst thing is, is also that the attempted backtrack is so like, it's so snake-like. It's, it's almost got scales 
Um, and I'm so, <laughs> I'm so annoyed with it because also I, I was talking to my, my brother and he's an Arsenal fan and he's seen a few players leave for City and leave for bigger clubs and had to witness all the Spain players putting the, the shirt on Fabregas at, at the World Cup and stuff like that. <laughs> but he just said to me about it, he was like, if you're Kane and Kane's agent and you're, and you're there thinking, right, we're gonna, we don't think we'll get the sale unless we upset the apple cart. He was like, this is the most pathetic attempt to take it to the mattresses you've yeah. ever seen. Like, if you're going to take it to the mattresses, what you do is you release a video like, and, like, three interviews with, like, big media publications all at once. Where you it's going a bit ISIS, this, Jules. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Sterling, but OK. Well, <laughs> I will lose a finger for every day. You do not pay £150 million. Pounds. I just think that you could, you could, he could have done, like, media interviews with, you know, with several people he could have done, released a statement saying, I love the club, I love the fans, but unfortunately, I was told that this club is going to go in this direction, we're going to spend X amount of money, this club has not done that, and because of that, I want to leave. I'm publicly stating, I will come to work, I will train, of course I will, until my contract is elsewhere, that's the case, but I'm making it really clear. And he, he could have heaped so much pressure on Levy, because the entire fan base would have gone, look what you did. But yeah. instead, this is the most like cowardly, cowardly is the word for it, like display. Um, so, yeah, he's and, and yeah, he's got to go because imagine being Nuno and you've had this really productive preseason. We're actually funny enough. And we can say all the stuff we've hated about Kane now, by the way, we can let it all out. So Kane well, being he's, really he's a cheat. Well, Kane being a cheat, Kane, Kane diving loads, Kane injuring other players through just backing into them nonsense, Kane being incredibly slow and now having a shocking work ethic for the last three years of his career. Glass, and he's still ankle, which isn't, isn't yeah, glass nowadays. But, but you look at pre-season, we look good in pre-season because we've had a mobile forward. Shock. Having someone who can actually run turns turns out to be quite a useful thing in that part of the pitch. So you know what? If you want to go for 160 million, you can fuck off. Can you imagine? Can you imagine uh, <laughs> being on the receiving end of a breaking up text from Jules? Yeah. <laughs> it ain't pretty, lad. It's all right. I can replace you with three other players. Fine. <laughs> oh, see you laughing then. These are tears of joy. I swear. <laughs> I wasn't going to build a statue of you. It's fine. <laughs> Anyway, in better news, where art thou, Romero? He's here, Jules. Something that will cheer you up. Mate, I'm delighted. Uh, we've been crying out for, for a dominant sense after come in, and he looks every inch the, you know, the player that we hope, that, that we hope for and that, and that we need. He's powerful, fast, front foot defender, aggressive. He's a leader, comes from a team that's played a similar style of really effective football um, to the one that at least we, we hope Nuno will, will implement. Um, and he seems like the, a perfect age profile as well. Like buying a buying a guy at that age, that money, mm. um, and I think it's a six year contract. So you know we, we've got him tied down for a long time. Just seems like a perfect fit. It's something uh, I remember saying in the pod that we never aired um, that uh, Spurs needed to go out in the summer and get players that were of a particular age profile and of a particular stature, which was relatively young uh, with. Lots of growth potential, and also from places uh, where they've played at a, a good competitive level, but they're probably not at the top of their game. Uh, and Romero fits that perfectly. Um, and I think he's 23. Is he 23 or 24? 23. Um, but he's, yeah. he's at that kind of age where he's got a bit of experience, but for a centre-half, I mean, he's got 12 years in him, hasn't he? So, uh, so that's really good. A, a six-year contract is, for me, a bit much, but... Um, because you know, if 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 he gets an injury after two years, yeah, you're stuck with him. But but I think well, he's got an um, injury now. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But <laughs> but no, it's uh, it feels like good planning, and it's a uh, it's a good it's a good signing. It's got shows lots of potential. Um, also, he's married to a Karen, literally. <laughs> That's an amazing find. I love the thought that Jim's been <laughs> trawling through this guy on Wikipedia and on so- on social sites. 
trying to find something good and he's managed to pull out the Karen card. Well yeah, played. We're, we're on YouTube watching Welcome to Spares Romero videos. <laughs> he's trawling through the white Instagram post. <laughs> Thinking, God, what a Karen. I, I would say, and Jim makes a good point there about the, the length of the contract. And I used to have great faith in signing players down for a long time. But there's one player in the Spurs squad who's slightly worrying me on that on that. Uh, sort of front. So I hate to go back to a negative. <laughs> is anyone else so thinking sweet. where the? Is anyone else thinking where the fuck is Tongi? Yeah, well, I, I think. Um, <laughs> well, Nuno's been speaking to him, uh, speaking about him today on Sky Sports. Has just said he's been training. He was available for selection against Arsenal. Now just isn't the right time, or he's not in the right mind frame to be in with the team at the moment. And it, uh, it just seems something that happens at the start of every fucking season now. And I really hope that he settles down and Nuno can get the best out of him because he's a phenomenal player and he has the ability to be one of the best in the league. Unfortunately, perhaps I should have said phenomenal because in order to be phenomenal, you've got to be consistent and he he hasn't been that. But he's the game changer, even in the pre-season, where one of the things that we seem to have lacked, we'll come onto it a bit later um, I'm sure is a bit more creati- creativity in midfield and somebody who's able to beat a press and progress the ball forward. So, yeah, it's it's worrying, but I don't think it is anything that we should be overly alarmed about, especially with the Chelsea returning. Do, do you not think <laughs> he's been off since the end of May? And bear in mind, he didn't play in like the last four games. So he's essentially been off since late April. He didn't go with France to the Euros, so he's just been sat at home. And he's managed to come back to pre-season and still, again, have this fitness fitness issue. And I, m- maybe it's, you know, too simple to say, but I just feel like how can we as a club not be trying to uphold him to a higher just standard of professionalism? Like, we just, I don't know, I don't know what we have to do. We've got to give him a diet or something. But it's just he was a problem. briefly on a paternity leave, wasn't he? Um, but I'm now starting to think that he had the baby. <laughs> that, that's why he didn't see so much of him. But he he was like, faster recoveries. <laughs> isn't that what Nuno's doing, though, in, in fairness, Jules? Well, isn't, isn't the point that he's holding him to a higher standard now? Maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not there watching in the canteen if Nuno's well, stopping no, him from getting another forkful. But, you know, he's... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> He's stopping at the Toby on the way home, isn't he, Toby Carvery? <laughs> well, not like Carvery again. We're in episode one of the season and we've already back on the bloody Carvery. Uh, no, it's, it's episode it's, two, it's, actually, Jules, just saying. Yeah, that's a good point. Episode three, actually, if it's <laughs> big oh. technical. Um, <laughs> no one's counting. Zing. Um, no, I, I think it's it's a valid point if, you know, if Nuno is holding him back saying, look, you're not playing until you address this, then great. But it is slightly worrying that we spent £60 million on a player who's got 200 grand a week and another three, four years on his contract. Um, and <laughs> we're lumbered with this and no one's going to come and buy him because it's very clear at the moment that he's more interested in eating than in playing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But in, uh, in Brighton news, like you touched on it earlier, Ash, about the Celso coming back. Um, there are a few players that have kind of been drip-fed back as they've come away from international tournaments all over the place. He managed to get some minutes in the Arsenal game. We've had the Mind series, which um, I don't think we won it, did we? I think Chelsea won it. Yeah, goal difference or yeah, some sort of point. Think, Shit, I knows? think you got a point for goals and they scored more goals, but no one really cares because... Uh, right, it's a charity game, man, it's all right. It's fine. But we did still beat Arsenal, so... I was, I was really excited because I went to the Colchester game. It's the first time I've been to a football game in fucking ages, so... I was just delighted to be back out there. So it felt it felt a bit different this year to usual, and it's not often that we have two London derbies in, in pre-season either. So, you know, there was something to uh, at least get somewhat excited about. It was good to have competitive games, I thought, in the build-up against mm. two local very good teams, teams we'd actually... Well, one. Uh, one very good team. Well, <laughs> yeah. And Arsenal. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it was good to have actually competitive uh, tournaments, so you're not just playing a mishmash of European clubs in the middle of, you know, Singapore or or the USA. It was quite nice to just have it down the road, almost like a a home and away leg. And it it gave a competitive edge. I mean, we saw it in the Chelsea game that I think he didn't make a sub until 
like the 60th minute, and then he only made about three subs in the entire game. And okay, yeah, Chelsea did change almost their entire squad in the second half, which is how we managed to come back into it. Um, but it, it is this sort of went to show that Nuno was taking it very seriously. He's getting a very good idea of who he wants to play come the City game. And there are certain players I'm fairly looking forward to seeing more of. Le Chelsea is one. Uh, but I think an interesting one is Tanganga. He, you know, he looked terrible at centre-half against Chelsea. He was sort of ignoring players like TalkSport ignores their YouTube broadcast. But <laughs> a right-back in the Arsenal game, he, he, he actually looked, he looked unreal. And like, he had, we had two recognised right-backs on the bench, and then he was keeping them out of the squad. Like, I don't know about, about you, Ash, but is he, is he the future, but a right-back? <laughs> to be fair, I'm not surprised that he had a difficult game at centre-back against Chelsea because he was playing next to Dyer, and that's enough to uh, to cause anyone to have a few problems. But no, yeah, he was he was impressive. I, I didn't manage to see a lot of the game. But I, I saw the extended highlights, and I was impressed at how, how much he gets forward as well, considering we probably consider him more to be a, a defensive fullback. So, I don't know. Anything could be better than those Doherty performances that we saw last year, can't they? Was I the only one who really enjoyed... Ollie Skip playing a bit further forward in a bit more of a box-to-box role. I don't know if you, you saw much of that, Ben, but I thought it was quite interesting to see putting Hojbjerg deeper and then Skip just sitting in front like that. It does give a bit more protection and then lets you play a bit more of a creative player alongside, doesn't it? Just having that, that extra kind of muscle in there. Yeah, he kind of it was a bit of a mix. Like, you know, if Skip went, Hojbjerg would go and, and vice versa. And then you see, you know, I think Hojbjerg created loads of goals in the Euros, didn't he? Or loads of chances... And we're starting to see that more more for us now that he's not just a big brute in the middle of the park, he's a creative footballer. And Skip can do that as well. He can he can almost pass from any position to any player and anywhere on the pitch at any distance. He he's got a fantastic passing range. His touch is good, his reading of the game is brilliant, he knows where the space is. And then uh, what I noticed when the Chelsea come on, like he, he will stand in the middle of five players and he knows where he is and he's constantly looking over his shoulder. So if Skippy or Hoiberg, and then just suddenly find a creative player like that to move the ball at the pitch is great. Because that's sometimes the issue with uh, we were playing in the sort of first half of these games. So Nuno started playing this 4-3-3 system. To me, it's looked quite often pretty flat, where we've looked, you know, good, get moving the ball out of defence, moving into midfield. And then it's after that, getting it to, to your players who are at the top end uh, to create chances, which is where the issues lay for me. And it's when we start to introduce more creative players that can couple with Skip or Hoybier, that we looked a lot better because, I don't know, a lot's been said about Dele, but I'm not sure this position slightly deeper in midfield really suits him. Yeah, I, I see what you mean because I'd probably have him off the front. I think he's he's better when he's receiving the ball in the final third rather than getting mm. the ball to it. Um, but I think it's clear from what we've seen of Nuno that he likes that kind of shape with almost like a, t- a 10 who can push on from deeper. And it means that his front three is fluid and fast. And that's that's been the defining thing when I've seen our games, is having a mixture of Bergvine, Son through the middle, bit of Dane Scarlett, Lucas Moura, who's been brilliant in pre-season. He's mm. been fantastic. But <laughs> He's the new all of, Yeah, he is. But, <laughs> they, but they've all, all of them are, are fast, fit, hard-working players. And I think we... When we're breaking up the pitch, we have more options. So I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be maybe as a sort of patient football when we get to the final third. But we seem to be sort of under under sort of the style of get the ball to the runners in the final third and then try and be incisive. And I'm and I'm all for that. Yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are, Jules. Uh, probably the only last two games are the only two that we can actually make a real judgment on Nuno and tactics and that sort of thing. But what was the biggest change? you've seen so far from what the murder ball we were playing under Jose? Possession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've, um, I think we're, we're still a team which will be happy to, at the right moment, sit off and, and try and counter, but there seems to be much more of a plan in how we're going to attack and score goals. And those kind of, the developing patterns of attacking play, of players running into repeatedly the same kind of areas of the pitch and developing sort of that understanding of when to make the run. That's something which um, I think Nuno is clearly quite big on and a, a lot of coaches talk about. And it's something we know that Mourinho was particularly bad at and actually was quite sort of affronted at the suggestion he should tell the offensive players where to go. 
you know, he, he believed in optimization, you know, that they should essentially figure it out for themselves. Um, I look forward to seeing how Roma get on with that attitude. Um, <laughs> aside from that, aside from their three red cards, uh, I think two days ago. Um, but no, I think, I think the key thing is we're, we're slightly higher up the pitch. I think we're definitely trying to keep the ball better to feet. Um, we're seeing less, less long balls. Um, and when we do attack, there are repeated patterns of play. I think the wingers coming inside and running off a mobile striker, that definitely seems, you know, I'd, I'd put my money right now on the front, the front three starting the first game being Bergwijn, Son and Mora. I'd put my money on it right now. That's also a bit out of necessity though, isn't it? Who else is there? <laughs> yeah, that well, know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know if Kane will have gone back to the Bahamas to, to, to need another five days of isolation or something by that stage. And Dane Scarlett's young and Brian Hill has just lost the final of the Olympics, so he might need a day off. So, no, but it, it, that is the path. Speaking of Brian Hill though, that's, um, that's another one of those signings uh, that, that fits that profile. Young player, plenty of growth potential. It, it's sad for him that he looks like a, the love child of John Lennon and fucking God knows who. But, <laughs> I mean, that hair, that haircut is criminal, but still. Not as criminal as starting your metaphor and not knowing how you're going to finish it. Mate. Like, <laughs> I, had a, I had a name in my head and it just went. And it was, uh, I couldn't, I can't, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Manchester. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was looking at, I just had to bring up uh, something that was written in The Athletic the other day. It says, even his name pronounced Brian Hill sounds like the sort of name you'd expect to hear popping up on an early Premier League years episode for a manager who's just been sacked by Oldham. <laughs> <laughs> He's, there's reports that he's actually due back, I think, tomorrow or the day after, which is really quick. Really quick. I mean, I know he's, he's young and fit and he's not played anywhere near the total games that Pedri has played, the poor bastard. But it's interesting to see him come in and it's a bit of the unknown, really, for, for a lot of us, if we're being honest. But he looks like a, a quick, aggressive front foot attacker where he will... He's a bit of a, a, bit of a throwback to old school wingers where he'll try to get yeah. past the man. I don't know if you can give us a bit more insight on that, Jim. He's quite left-footed, um, from what I've seen, which is good. But he's, I think speed is the main um, kind of attribute that will really bring something. Because I, I know a lot of it was Jose, but I found a lot last season Spurs were like glacial. It was so slow <laughs> at times. Um, I've seen rock formations move more quickly, but um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's like technically good, quite strong for a little guy. But I think, for, from what I've seen anyway, he's kind of like I don't know whether you would call it intelligence or like quick wittedness, but there, there seems to be like that ability to um, kind of improvise as he receives the ball, and that kind of not necessarily even speed of movement, but speed of thought will just add a. a dynamism and that's how he can kind of create nice little triangles and you know he'll make himself available in space and do things with it and give a kind of well, next an of unpredictability yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so i mean once he's got once he's up to speed and he's a little bit he's you know he's uh, had a break and he's up to full fitness i think that'd be an interesting signing um interested to see how he how he gets on i don't want to fall into that cliche of well this is the premier league but you know, there's always, um, it's obviously a big change. And like I say, he's not really had a break over summer. So probably have to be patient with the guy. But, um, but it's another signing that I think is, is really positive, actually. I think he's a he's a perfect reflection of what we were just saying about the style of football, Ash, that Nuno will play. Um, I think Nuno's attitude is going to be like, we're going to give these kind of maverick winger forward sort of players the ball and just try and get it to them in the final third, maybe 12, 15 times a game, you know, on the half turn. And we're going to hope that what they do that day comes off. Because I think, I think that will be the thing. It will be players like um, Hill or uh, Mora who will just, they could have a great day, they could have a bad day. And if, if it's on form, I think we'll get goals and it'll be great. And if not, that'll be a day where Nuno will probably turn around and go, well, the defence in the midfield did their job in, you know, providing the ball to them. So I think he's, he, in a way, he's a perfect fit for the kind of football that we're likely to play this year. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's expecting Brian Hill to be a, a, a regular starter. I know under in Wolves, Nuno did take a lot of young players quite early on, but obviously this is a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Well, what do we need 
Tom going forward from new purchases. We've been linked with a few other creative, uh, even wide players as well. Well, depends. <laughs> don't know if you if you sell that big man. <laughs> the, uh, the That's the insight strike. we come for. Well, it depends. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard. It's hard the questions. <laughs> I don't know. But I do think, uh, on a serious note, it does depend on the, on the sale of Kane, because if he goes, and there's already talk, like this Lautaro Martinez story that's come out recently, the, the Interstrikers, kind of came out of nowhere, really. And it looks like it was old news, because obviously the, the news had come from before Chelsea had really seriously started at looking at Lukaku, uh, and now Inter might be reluctant to sell Martinez because they have to sell Lukaku as well, but at the same time they haven't got any money, and we do. Uh, we certainly will do if we sell Kane. And you think if you do sell Kane, then you bring in, then, and they were going to bring in Martinez anyway, regardless of Kane was sold, then they'd have to replace Kane also with another striker. So all of a sudden you're buying two central sort of attacking players, because we've got enough wingers at this club in reality, in my opinion. There's talk about Adama Traore rears his head every now and then. Not interested. It's just a beefy bird finder, as I've said on this podcast before. Huh? No one needs to, to loo up your arms like that unless you're lambing. So oh, I think we're all right for wingers. <laughs> we still need another defender. There's talking about this, this Japanese lad, the Tomiyasu, who's now back from the Olympics. So that, that, that could come around. But I don't know, I think we're missing maybe just one creative player if Ndombele isn't going to turn up. That's why I have a problem. He can be that, that player. We sometimes forget about his brilliance. But if he's not going to turn up this season, we're a little bit short. I wouldn't necessarily think it's achievable, and I'm probably being completely unrealistic here. But I, if you had some money, I'd be going, in all seriousness, I'd be going to Barcelona and be going, Fatty, Pedri, thank you very much. Well, Pedri's actually only got two years left. There's a few, that, they've got a uh, Yeah, I'm absolutely players. desperate for, for money. They are properly fucked. Yeah, but so, are those players that desperate to come to Spurs? Well, like, they're desperate and then I mean, oh, hang on. Well, I've never heard of that division. <laughs> That's a tier of European football I didn't know existed. There is, but Barcelona's been fired. Like, is, they're in a proper mess. So, yeah, it's probably unrealistic. But, like, how old's Fatty? 18? 17, yeah. But if, even if we go for a few slightly more realistic, like Mtiti having a left foot centre back, or um, there'll, there'll be a few centre mids. Yeah, yeah. There's a few, there's a few options there, but I think what we what we really need is a, a proper leader of a centre half, and someone who can really grab our defence and marshal it because Romero is a really aggressive. Um, young centre back, but he does still need that leadership apart uh, aside from him. I think it's really great that he's got Larice behind him for a year because Larice is phenomenal at marshalling his defence, despite how shit our defence are individually. <laughs> um, I think that will really help him. So I don't know why we don't go for Jerome Boateng. He's available on the free. What, what's what's going on there? He's a rogue shell, free yeah. agent, knows his stuff. Gary Cahill, he's available. <laughs> he's English. <laughs> Just a thought. Imagine him next to Romero. Yeah, I, I heard Ian Wright's a free agent as well. <laughs> ben, I know it's not possible, but I think you've just got to imagine for a second that we're we're sort of giving you that two two way slap through through the screen here because that's the <laughs> dumbest thing I think I've heard. Wait, you, you haven't podcast. you haven't heard his predictions yet, which you need to move on to. So I mean, I can't it. talk about predictions after the Euros this summer, so I'm, I'm exiled from that, that conversation. Can I just say as well, because um, you all know how much I hate transfer talk, like speculative t- transfer talk, but when it's actually happened, it's all good. Um, the best bit of business Spurs have done is uh, reducing the size of the squad by a net 15 players so far, which is really good business, not only in uh, kind of COVID times when money could be a bit tight, but just bringing the squad down to a more manageable level and getting rid of a lot of the dead wood is just it's smart on so many levels um, and it gives a bit of freedom to Nuno over the next 12, 18 months to bring in new players that don't necessarily have to be starters because the squad isn't bloated anymore. And that's uh, that was kind of one of the key objectives, I think, was, was getting players out as much as getting players in. There's a few more that can go as well. And I think what shouldn't go under the radar is the Romero deal is technically alone. He's not our player. Mm-hmm. Which means when we make that purchase compulsory next year, which is probably going to happen, 
that money doesn't have to be paid until next summer, which means that, you know, that £40 million you were going to spend on that marquee signing is now available to, to put towards, you know, uh, Lataro Martinez or like that kind of key striker or whatever. So we've been very smart. The signings have been pretty intelligent. Ashford last time let Paratici cook. He's cooking. He's... <laughs> He's really cooking on gas now. He's teaching Hitchin a thing or two. You just see every game, every pre-season game, is that Hitchin's watching him. What's he doing? He's on the phone too. I'm going to make a phone call. I don't know he's on the phone too. He's looking Hi, Mum. <laughs> Can we get a table at that car, Bruce? <laughs> Me and Tangy are going, no one else is about. Here's <laughs> some more positive news that might cheer Jules up. He's very grumpy because it's a Monday. Have you seen the wall at Marine? So after we played Marine, you could buy something from this virtual wall to put your name on it. And then they built the wall and it, it's got a mural to, to Spurs with the Spurs emblem on next to theirs. And it's kind of like a, a thank you for like all this money you've given us and propped us up. And it was quite a nice touch. Yeah, it was a it was a lovely thing to see. And I think <laughs> Jim touched on earlier kind of um, how football is making quite a lot of us feel a bit sort of apathetic. Uh, right now, um, with PSG just signing everyone like it's a game of FIFA, and <laughs> anyone who's got an oil backer basically spending 150 million net in the absence of FFP, it, it can feel sort of a bit heartless. But when you see things like, you know, Marine and and kind of the support and how that one game has rejuvenated that club and really brought in so much of them, and um, that's really special. I I also thought, and I know we we kind of touched on the friendly earlier, but I sort of felt very, uh, very proud to be a Spurs fan when we uh, applauded Saka and, and the banner and stuff at the, at the game there. I thought that that showed everything that's right about uh, Tottenham fans. If you're if you're one of the one of the people there who is applauding, then you know, good, yeah. nice, nice to see that our who our fans truly are. Um, and it's great, it's great to have these moments which remind us that the game is still beautiful in spite of the oil. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have, there's other football to look forward to, and that's the hashtag Barclays. Um, we did this at the start of last season where we do our predictions at the start and then we look at them at the end and realise how very, very wrong we were, which is uh, it's always fun because we never get it right. So hopefully we get this wrong because uh, we're going to start with, should we start with top four predictions? I'm just going to go around the room as I see it on my Skype app. So I'm going to start with Ash. Yeah, I've got a feeling that we're all going to say the same four teams here. It seems a bit nailed on. Um, I think Chelsea are going to win the league, then City, Liverpool, and just for the sake of banter, I've put Spurs as fourth. Banter. <laughs> I agree with the first three. I did the same, but I picked United at fourth. Yeah, that's the more reasonable suggestion. Jules? Uh, same four as you, Fen, so I'm, I'm not putting Spurs in them, I'm afraid, Ash. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it'll be very hard to look past City for the, for the title. Like When you look at the two 11s they put out, it's a bit of a joke. So, unfortunately, City for the title, and yeah, um, top four remainders will be Chelsea, United and Liverpool. Uh, I've gone for Chelsea as well, actually. It surprises me that three of us have gone for Chelsea. Uh, City, Liverpool, United. Mm, Good. Agreed. Um, Bottom three, then. I'll start with mine for a change. uh, I've seen some of yours before. Some of you put them in the chat beforehand, and a lot of you said Brighton, and that actually quite surprised me because I've gone for Brentford, Norwich, and Palace as a road one. I think Brentford are going to do the classic: stay out for one year and then struggle the second. So, yeah. um, and Brighton have lost well an important player, and they made a bit of money back, but I don't, I haven't heard of any significant signings that they've made. So I think this just might be the year where the league just gets out ahead of them. I don't know what order they're going to be in, but I've put Norwich, Newcastle and Brighton to go down. Newcastle? Ouch. Yeah, fuck them. It's about time. <laughs> who were your other two, sorry, Ash? Uh, Norwich and? Norwich, Newcastle and Brighton. OK, so I, I agree with you on Brighton because I, I don't think they'll score goals. They were struggling enough with that before, and I think that, that kills you in this, in this division. Um, Norwich, I agree, I, I think, particularly without Skip and Buendia. I think they're sort of doomed before they before they really start. Um, I've gone for Watford because they are just shit. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, they they play the worst football. They're one nil merchants. 
and they're still relying on fucking Troy Deeney up front. So I reckon Watford can get can get in the fucking sea. Um, but if Newcastle <laughs> decides to go down, I'm right with that too. I struggled with this one a bit because I was thinking about it and realised that about two thirds of the Premier League is dog shit. <laughs> so I've gone for Watford, Palace, and Burnley. Oh. Because I just think at some point Burnley's luck has got to run out, and they weren't great last year and got away with it. Uh, Palace are a mess. Yeah. Uh, Watford just lack quality. Norwich, I think, I could see them going down, but I think they've made some pretty shrewd signings, actually. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me. But then equally, like Newcastle, Southampton, like there's there's a Brighton, there's a lot of crap. So it's like it's almost like the Premier League's become two separate leagues. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to, to see any of them down. But yeah, Watford, Palace and Burnley. Can I ask Jim and Fenn? Palace is an interesting one because they... Actually, I'm not asking you because you didn't put them in your bottom three, all right? Stop being a snake. Right. <laughs> Jim, Jim and Fenn. God, I just enjoyed that. Jim and Fenn. You, you put Palace going down and the reason I'm intrigued is because I think they might do quite well. Vieira did very well at Nice. I know, I mean, he lost his job there, but that's the reality of every manager eventually does. <laughs> Well, but he was there for like almost three years, and and actually the view in France is that he was quite a capable coach, and he did well when he's in the states, and and you know that that isn't necessarily a walk in the park, as uh, Phil Neville will tell you. Um, but <laughs> it, they've signed a lot of, I think, very good players like Anderson at the back. They signed a fantastic Chelsea youth product at centre back. They bought Championship young player of the season from last year, who's a winger. They already had Zaha and uh, Eze breaking forward. Like, I look at Palace and I think, I know there's a lot of new players, but why are you both thinking they're going down? Because they sacked off their squad, essentially. There, there's yeah. so much transition there. I just, I think there's no stability. There's no leadership out on the pitch, really, because I think they've lost Cahill and Scott Dan. I'd argue, I just, that, I'd argue just, that's a plus. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, but sometimes, it, sometimes it's underrated having that, that level-headedness at the back, which I just think they've lost so much stability with it a new coach and essentially a brand new squad. I just don't think it's it's going to work straight away. Yeah, agreed. Uh, basically the same thing. And I also, I'm not sold on Vieira, to be honest. Um, uh, particularly not with, I mean, 17 players. That's an extraordinary transition. Like, uh, yeah, and they, they you know, they, they, this is the point where we look back in a year and Palace have finished eighth and we look like, but I think there's so much uncertainty that um, you know I mean it's worth remembering Palace is a club where Frank de Boer went and lasted four games and Frank de Boer isn't a bad coach but Palace are a bad coach as an Inter fan I beg to disagree (laughs) I think think Mourinho's had some choice words about him in the past I I do see your point and I agree the turnover is exceptional but actually and Fenham I don't mean to call you out, call you out on the incorrect stuff. I um, don't mean to call you out, but I'm going to. <laughs> but well, Scott, Scott Dan is. Well, I won't there. go into specifics. <laughs> <laughs> well, unlike, unlike Harry Kane, I can actually back my shit up. So Scott Dan still there, um, Joel Ward still there, Martin Kelly still there, Nathaniel Klein still there, Milojevic still there, Kiate still there, Schlup still there, MacArthur still there, like. I would say Benteke's still there. Yeah, I'm quaking in my boots with every single player you've just rattled out <laughs> who've been there for like five fucking years and haven't done anything. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Scott Dan is still there. But I also see <laughs> a list of fucking has-beens who aren't going to necessarily get you... Like you, This is where I disagree with you on Watford. Yeah, I'm fighting fire with fire. Because if Watford can know how to inch out these little games 1-0. Burnley have done it very successfully for quite a long time. If Watford can drag out them results, then they will be able to probably finish with more points than teams like Brentford and Norwich, who will try and play good football but won't get the results because they just haven't got the quality. And it's the same reason why you think Brighton will go down. They'll play nice football, but because they haven't got the quality, they won't get the results. And Palace 
haven't got the quality. They might have the nice football under Vieira. I've not seen a Nice game. I do hasten to admit, but oh, that's nice. Same reason. <laughs> Brilliant. I'd say that I'd say the view in France is that he he did drill the players quite well, and it was a. The players were. The Nice players were. Oh God, here we go. Right, let me try again. The Nice players were all in translation. Yeah, the Nice players were definitely organised, and they did try and play progressive football, which was appreciated. Nice actually got quite wealthy financial backers, so it was an expectation. But yeah, you're you're right. Ultimately, this is a guy who doesn't have you know, much top flight experience at, at that level and trying to play your way out when you're in the bottom half of the premiership can lead you down a, a dark road. Um okay, but interesting. Uh, looking mm. forward to seeing who's who's right and wrong. And yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Not done Spurs. No, speaking of dark roads, let's go down that one. Um Jim, where do you think Spurs will finish? Uh six. Um, I think we'll I play- agree. I think Spurs will play better football, be a better side, get some better results than last season, and end up finishing sixth uh, purely because of what's above them. Seconded. Mm, best of the rest. Well, apart from Leicester. <laughs> Ash, are you still saying fourth? Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what have I got to lose? <laughs> no, no, yeah, why, why not? I'd, I'd just I prefer to be hopeful, and at least that way... My disappointment is uh, is justified. Just get used to it. Yeah. It's essentially a constant state of being with this club. So, <laughs> Who's going to be the top scorer for Spurs out this season, George? Uh, I've gone Son. Ooh. Yeah, seconded. Thirded. Oh, oh, wow. No one, no one gone with Kane, lads? No, fuck him as well, Snake. I I might have put Harry Kane as the division top scorer, but he's not my Spurs top scorer. <laughs> Jules, you had a look in your eyes then, like you were a dog that had been caught doing something wrong. <laughs> Daring to admit that I think he's going to go elsewhere. I think. He's I think he, yeah, he, I've got I've got him down for I've got him down for top goal scorer in the division, but not for Spurs. Yeah, fuck him, he's gone. Yeah. I've gone a bit rogue. Um, messy. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. No, they we fucking have nowhere. We signed no, they are. Like, oh, he's quite good. What anyway. about top goal scorer in the league then? Yeah, let's do that one. Lukaku. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> we all agree. Well, other than Jules, I, I, yeah, I think Chelsea created a shit ton of chances last year, didn't they? And the only thing that yeah. we're missing was a was Somebody a top score finish. Score the tap-ins. Yeah, I to drill just, it I home. Hate, I just hate Chelsea so much that I couldn't tip them for the title and I couldn't put their striker as the prediction for top goal scorer. <laughs> yeah, like, even good. though I know <laughs> says it, I was just like, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So you've gone for Harry Kane oh. at City. <laughs> Oh yeah, really shouldn't have brought it up again, really. Anyway, let's move on quickly. Um, most assists, uh, Ash. De Bruyne, who else? Guy is an absolute fucking king, and the day he stops playing is a day I will enjoy watching football a little bit less. Wow, poetic. Anyone disagree with that? I went with uh, Jaden Sancho, because um, mm. I think he'll play a hell of a lot of games for United, because I think he's got the right skill set against those kind of teams where they need just to rack up the goals and if you look at his numbers in Dortmund he was just great at getting end product I just I could see him end up like getting sort of like three assists versus Norwich and if you do that <laughs> a few times in the season you really pad your numbers stat padding yeah, yeah. what about who's going to get the most penalties United we all we all settled on that I mean if anyone disagrees <laughs> yeah. an idiot <laughs> I've been watching Tom Daly at the Olympics, so that'll just spur him on a bit. Now and you the... can say that now, because Kane's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have none of that at our club. Now that, well, to be fair, if Kane goes to City, then there could be a bit of a, you know, there could be a lot of playing the ball into his feet and expecting contact, couldn't there, lads? Mm. Just one last one. Just Who's going to be the player of the season? Um, well, slightly weirdly, uh, I, for similar reasons that Jules went for top assist, I went for Sancho. Because I think he can stand out in a mm. all right United side. 
fair enough. I think De Bruyne. I think usually it's the title-winning side's got someone who gets player of the season, right? And he's always a standout player for them. I've gone with just anyone from the team that win the league because the fucking vote is a scam and it's boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why wasn't it Danny Ings? (laughs) (laughs) Because I think Chelsea will win the league. I've gone a bit rogue. I think Kai Havertz will start to turn up this year. I think he'll be... uh, Really problematic player for a lot of teams. So, God, as much as I hate me to say it, he's going to be good to watch play. But yeah, I, I tell. <laughs> can I can I just make a make an outside tip? If Chelsea do win the league, Mason Mount to get player of the season and Ash's head to explode. <laughs> <laughs> right, City at the weekend. Kind of looking forward to the season restarting. Not looking forward to trying to work out what team Kane will play for. We always do our predictions uh, for the for the upcoming fixture. We'll start with who looks most ready on my screen. Uh, none of you are looking at it, so I'm going to go with Jim. Oh no! <laughs> I was really hoping you didn't come to me first. Um, look, I think Spurs are going to have a good season, but not a good start. Three-one City. Uh, I predict there's going to be a lot of tears and a lot of tantrums to follow. <laughs> it's not going to be a fun watch. Poor Nuno, what a game to start on. Uh, I can't see us conceding any less than three goals either. And I'm not too sure how we'll score. So I'm going to go with 3 0. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a one all, lads. I think you're being a bit pessimistic. I, I like what Nuno's doing. And bear in mind that they've got a couple of injuries. I think De Bruyne uh, and Foden aren't playing at the start of the season. And I can't see how. Kane is still on holiday for them as well. Yeah, I was going to say. It's fine, because they'll bring in Grealish and Bernardo. But... <laughs> we'll see. I reckon one all. I reckon one all. Yeah, I agree with you, Jules. I'm semi-positive. I think it'll be like two all. I think they'll, they'll definitely look the better team, but they weren't, they weren't that good against Leicester. I know it's like, you know, it's either a pre-season so friendly or, or a trophy. It's one of those trophies that sits in between, but they, they, they just look a bit... They haven't turned up yet. They were slow to start last season. They could be a bit slow to start again this season. I hope to God we can take advantage of that. So it's all. Anyway, that's our predictions. Come see us at the end of the season. Uh, see if we get those right. Or come back next week. Um, we'll start to bring you what will essentially be weekly podcasts again. You can look forward to us, you know, bemoaning playing on a Sunday, plus Jim having to research really obscure European football teams. Um <laughs> We should be making a more uh, a regular thing of it now that the summer is finally over, which means we'll have to actually start organising this a bit more properly. <laughs> so hopefully you join us for what should be a, a very eventful season uh, for Tottenham Hotspur. It always will be, and we'll see you next time. Bye.